You're listening to Ref Talk Radio with Bernie and PC. Here we go! Well, after a series of people requested to specifically hear my voice again, uh, I am back for another episode of Ref Talk Radio. And unfortunately, I couldn't uh, have him edit without having invited him first to actually participate. Uh, with me again, as usual, is Bernie. You just got to make yourself an asset. Got to find a skill that people can't live without. And the thing is, no one knows that the only reason this sounds decent is because of you, not because of any of the content we put out there. <laughs> hey, it's, uh, it's the reason that most of us are still officials, because we have a particular set of skills that most people either do not or do not want to exhibit. Probably more of the latter. I, I, I feel more and more as we go along. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, I was off for a bit, but it's good to be back on the ice and heading towards playoffs. Playoffs? We're talking about playoffs. Yeah, some of our leagues have already entered the playoff phase. And in fact, uh, without divulging too much, we've both been assigned finals games in one of the leagues that uh, moves at a bit quicker pace. So that's kind of exciting. Yeah, and there is a risk, of course, with finals that I may not actually work uh, the assigned game, given that it's game five. So uh, if I have a friend out there um, that could possibly help me along and uh, make sure that one of the teams wins at least one game, then I may not actually get to enjoy that finals game. If only we knew who was working game four. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, because clearly my good friend in game two did not pull his weight. Uh, so one team is up 2 nothing, uh going into uh, the rest of the week. So we'll see what happens. There's no risk of collusion here because by the time this airs, we will likely either be on our way to knowing or know the outcome of that game. So I don't feel bad for, for talking about it. <laughs> No, um, it's always an exciting time of year, and and the fact that one league starts a bit earlier in, in terms of their playoffs than others really gets me into the swing of things in terms of being excited for hockey, and I find that just March hockey in general, teams are battling for playoff spots. It's so much more intense. Uh, the amount of sweat that I have to wring out of my chin strap in March is double what I have to take in February, so... Uh, had a great skate yesterday in Transcona. Uh, can't say that I ever want MM to go to four-man because there's something about a three-official system that I really enjoy as a referee. Uh, not to say that four-man has its own benefits, but that's definitely one of the three-official is getting a great skate in. Uh, on the flip side of that, I had the opportunity to work my first Junior B game in quite a while. And in the semifinals and finals of playoffs in that league, they actually go from a three-official to a four-official system. So that's an adjustment both for the officials working that league and for the teams who aren't used to having that extra set of eyes catching stuff behind the play and in areas of the rink that uh, there normally might not be a set of eyes. That's something new for that league. I don't recall they did that previously. 
that's been happening for probably a handful of years, but it's been about a handful of years since we were the uh, main workers of that league. So when that was our bread and butter, it was just three official system all the way through. Uh, but in the last few years, uh, it's been four official for the last couple series. Except finals. Oh, is it except finals? Okay, well, now they're going semis and finals, so. Yeah, because I, I do recall watching games at Civic Center, and there were four official system. Who the heck worked at Civic Center for Junior B? Uh, I think they were playing there, Selkirk and... It must have been North Winnipeg. Uh, I'm assuming Billy Mosienko was shut down. Hmm. I'm sure someone will text me to tell me the truth because I can't pull it right now. Well, I had the opportunity to go up to Arburg. Always a good time skating in Arburg. Um, and I was lucky enough to work with Jordy Hill, but as a referee. What a treat. And uh, we had a good chat and a laugh in the vehicle because... Friend of the show, frequent listener, takes the butt end of a lot of our jokes. So just a shout out to Jordy for being an all around good dude. <laughs> yeah, I want to say, did you have a late start in Arburg because there was a figure skating uh, hour of ice before the game? Or does that stop? Nope, we were okay. Maybe it's because there was a huge bond spiel going on at the curling rink. We thought the rink was going to be packed. And, uh, and then we realized, unfortunately, it was not for us. Everyone was at the Arburg Bifrost. Yeah, I had that game as my first one coming back after uh, taking a trip to the sun for a little bit. And that was followed up by an MM game in which a coach told me to um, suck on a male appendage and then go and do something to my mother that would be deplorable. Um, and thusly received a gross misconduct for his antics. So that was quite the welcome home. Oops. Just slipped out, right? And I mean, they were up in the game. They'd already had a five-minute major power play on which I don't think they scored. I mean, things were going their way. And then one thing doesn't and blows a gasket. It just, it was one of those that completely crossed the line. I haven't had a coach speak to me like that in, uh, I, I don't know, maybe ever, or maybe uh, at least a, a number of years, uh, the Lineys had a good chuckle uh, because they were right at the bench and they heard the whole thing. I did my regular thing and, and got the gist, tuned most of it out, uh, made sure he left, but when we were talking about it after the game, they gave me the lowdown of the whole thing and yeah, they, they thought it was pretty funny. Yeah, there's been, uh, uh, it feels like at least a really high number of game reports that I've had to write this year. And I've had theories thrown out there by colleagues of ours in terms of whether it be the cages that are causing players to cross-check each other in the face in the MM or not care about errant high sticks or being able to charge and hit people uh, when they're in vulnerable positions and not having to suffer from a potential fight. Um, but I, I feel like that argument falls apart when we look at the number of suspensions. The MJ are just as high and trying to figure out if everyone has this violence that they have to get out of their system because it was all bottled up from the pandemic or what's going on. But I finally had a weekend 
without having to write a game report in two games. And it was a nice break, just having some hockey for once. You know, I think one of the causes of that, uh, but I do give props to the decision for Hockey Canada to bring in the definitions for charging that they did this year. Um, Not that they all result in major penalties, but um, certainly it's nice to be able to call that charge when they're outside the 90 degrees, or as you say, when players are in vulnerable positions. Um, It's sure given us a bit sturdier leg to stand on when calling some of those penalties where other times they feel that it's an otherwise legal check, but your gut just tells you like, no, I have to call a penalty here. Now it's a lot easier to point to that charging definition and explain to them, listen, here's how that's defined now. And a lot of them are still learning that, but I find that that's one that I'm calling way more this year. Oh, for sure. I had one yesterday and the player argued with me about how that wasn't charging given that he didn't take more than two strides and didn't jump. I said, yes, but unfortunately there are three more different scenarios that you have to account for. And I think the education is going to keep going for a long time. We're still doing it in head contact. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't jump. Like it wasn't the principal point of contact. Well, that's the NHL. That's not hockey Canada. So a ways to go yet. Speaking of the NHL, I, I've over time just come to be more and more proud of the job we do on the ice because watching the Jets game the other night, there was a play where Shifley and the defender were kind of battling for positioning. And Shifley outmuscled the defender who went violently into the boards and it resulted in a pretty good scrum by both teams and players from both teams getting penalties. And the referees decided to charge Shifley with a major. Uh, I don't remember what the call was. I think it was boarding maybe that they came up with at the time. And they did it so that they could review the play and then ultimately make the correct decision after going to video review. And my goodness, I wish I had that luxury sometimes, because we're out there to keep the game safe and fair, and in some context, yes, we're also part of an entertainment product, but, I mean, the vast majority of what we do is as developmental uh, and recreational hockey, whereas they in the NHL have that opportunity to, to take a look at their call and have someone else kind of help them make the best decision. So we don't get that hand-holding. We just have to do it one look, full speed, and uh, and it's tough. And I should say that ultimately in that situation, Shifley didn't get any penalty, and after sitting in the penalty box for the review, was sent back to the bench. Which, you know, I've always said, as long as we get the right call in the end, no matter how bad it looks, that's what's important. And there are times when I feel like Video review makes things more ugly in terms of a process, uh, given that you have to have your lines person report the major to be able to review it and knock it down to a minor or cancel it out. And if the referee didn't get the first crack at it. Um, but is there a point where Hockey Canada allows lines people to call minors as well? I I think that that would be more of an unwritten rule and not as a one-off i mean if there's a big scrum going on or something where you're meeting in your referees crease and assessing multiple penalties 
if I have a lines person giving their view of an event or suggesting that someone deserves an additional minor or a particular penalty because of something, then that goes into making the final decision as you're as you're working everything out on all sides. But I don't think that that'll ever happen in terms of them coming up to you and telling you that they have a slash on a particular player, unless it's in the moment and you have a really good lines person you have trust and faith in, and they kind of whisper it in your ear as they're hustling to a hot spot because you missed it. Or they're, they're signaling very discreetly that you should put your arm in the air, like throw it up. Yes. Yes. Call the penalty. Call the penalty. (laughs) Uh, the nonverbal communication that we can have sometimes. I had a great moment on Saturday where I was looking at my partner and we agreed that the events were as I saw them. And he had basically predicted what I saw, which was the puck went up in the air over the crease. It was picked up by an attacking player who was standing near the crease dropped to the ice in the crease and then subsequently actually shot into the open net. Whereas it happened so quickly, it easily could be construed that he batted into the net from a certain angle. So seeing how adamant I was with the call, I basically just watched him. He kind of did it. I agreed and it was good. Um, But it just so happens that I was facing the direction of the team that got scored on, like their bench. So the coach thought I was talking to him and he did the same motion. So he was like, I was like, yep. He's like, okay. So I got two birds with one stone and everyone was fine. <laughs> now, speaking of NHL, uh, you have kind of a neat experience recently where an NHL supervisor was actually at one of your games. Can you tell us what that was like and what kind of stuff you might've learned from that experience? Yeah. So uh, probably about... 20 years too late, uh, maybe let's go with 10 years too late. I finally had an NHL supervisor uh, at one of my games, and uh, naturally he wasn't there for me. I had two young and up-and-coming officials that were on the lines for me. Uh, they, <laughs> The question actually at the end of the game was, was my, one of my favorite parts, where he had asked them what their birth year was just for their database, because they keep track of these things. And uh, the first linesman said something like 2001, and I went, oh, that hurts my heart a little bit. And then the second linesman said something to the effect of 2003, and I go, oh, my God, I'm getting really old. And then I had uh, our fearless leader, Harvey Nickel, uh, sitting beside me, and he's, he's nudging me to give my birth year and instead I decided to give my graduation year. So I tell the supervisor, yeah, 2005 for me. He goes, oh yeah, right, sure, <laughs> get out of here. But anyway, putting that aside, um, it was actually a great game to be, to be watched. And sometimes you are just unlucky. You have someone that goes out, spends two hours to watch your game, and virtually nothing happens. You're grasping at straws as a coach, trying to find things. But that game was perfect. There were stacked penalties, roughing after the whistle, scrums. I had called a penalty shot on a five-on-three situation. We ended up having just a perfect game to have someone watch, uh, and especially when that someone's from the NHL. And 
my one partner ended up working, I think that was his second MM game. So that was, you know, good to get that first rep in to get used to the league and then really try to get caught up with the pace. Uh, so I think he did really well at showcasing all the skills he had developed prior to and uh, make a, a case for himself in terms of his potential and his abilities. And uh, his partner did as well. Both were very helpful on the lines, did really everything they could in that game to keep it as calm as we could. Uh, it was just an intense game with, I think it was second versus third in the standings. So really challenging hockey game and uh, lucky to be a part of it. So you're telling me that after that whole thing, you're not getting hired to the NHL? He didn't say I wasn't. So I think there's, I'm still going to keep a faint bit of hope. The door is not completely shut, you're saying. Okay, all right. Exactly. So keep bringing your ref bag to the Jets game in case uh, someone's caught in a flight and can't make it to Winnipeg, then you're ready to go. Um, Actually, a funny story that uh, another listener of ours shared with me was that Kelly Sutherland, NHL official, uh, lost his equipment or the airline misplaced his equipment. The Winnipeg game. Correct. So apparently they have a spare jersey and pulled together. I'm not sure if they have a full set of equipment, but uh, apparently he looked very uncomfortable. uh, And uh, obviously the (laughs) equipment was ill-fitting. So probably looked a little more like me. He, He did look off. So I was actually, I turned that game on and it was strange because... You know, we're nerds about that kind of thing, and we can kind of recognize certain officials based on how they skate, um, just as you can some players. And the weird thing is that right away, I was like, that is for sure Kelly Sutherland. For sure. Like, the way he's skating. But it's not Kelly Sutherland because he's not wearing his jersey or his helmet or, like, his normal equipment. And, uh... I think it was something like number 36. I can't remember. Um, They have apparently a referee number that no one wears. It is the extra referee jersey number in case this sort of thing happens. So Kelly Sutherland was out there in, uh, yeah, board equipment and an extra jersey that was a little bit too big. And he definitely looked uncomfortable. Uh, And it was also confirmed uh, by our buddy Seawood, there's a linesman jersey as well. He knew the numbers. I don't remember them off the top of my head, and uh, I can't uh, find it in text. Must have been Snapchat. Jeez, our wives are bugging us here. We're trying to do a podcast, sending us messages and stuff. Oh my goodness, that's <laughs> how how dare our wives? Oh yeah. Here, wait. I gotta try and take a picture and say like we're working. Let's see. <laughs> Jeez, group chats. The best and the worst. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, no, I did see that Kelly Sutherland situation, and it was pretty funny. Um, So back to your experience, uh, you were talking about birth years. To make it even worse, never mind just birth years, but for me, one of those individuals happens to be in my very first class of students from my first year teaching. Oh, the worst. And uh, he told me that he actually credits me for getting him into officiating, so I hope he does make the NHL. Yep. But back in that first year, what would that have been, like 2014, 
our school decided that our students in as part of phys ed and health class need to learn how to officiate two of the major sports that our school has. Firstly, because then they get a new perspective on the sport, and also because then they can sort of use them for some of the younger kids' games if they're ever short, and it might open their eyes to some possibilities. Well, sure enough, I, I had the opportunity, I said, hey, why don't, on a PD day, I could run an actual clinic session for the kids who are going to choose hockey, and then they could really be certified and go and ref hockey games. And uh, the Hockey Manitoba office said, yeah, sure, go for it. I got to double dip and take my regular pay for work and get paid for the clinic, and a number of those kids stuck with refing, and one of them was just supervised by an NHL uh, set of eyes. And so that's pretty sweet. And on top of that, I actually got to work my first game with them, that same uh, MM game I was talking about earlier. So uh, pretty cool experience as a whole. Yeah. So I did, I once had an NHL supervisor come to a game. It was an MJ game at Dakota. And that was an interesting one because he only showed up because the AHL and NHL games had been canceled that weekend due to a snowstorm. And uh, I think he was, he'd, he'd already been to the NHL game. There was a, supposed to be a, a moose game on the Saturday night that was canceled for whatever reason. And so he came to our game. I guess he reached out to somebody at Hockey Man and, and they told him uh, where to go. And that was the only game in the city, probably. And so, yeah, after the first period, he walked in and said, hey, I'm Dan McCourt. I'm an NHL supervisor. And we were completely caught off guard. But it really goes to show you, you never know. I mean... Sure, 99% of the people hired to the NHL are part of a plan and, and, and you know, we're part of the whole uh, process the whole way through. But, you know, someone sees you, likes you, you do a good job and you have the goods, you, know, you never know what it could lead to. Or even Dan McCourt could be passing on things he saw while he was watching to the people who assign our leagues. So even if it's not the NHL granting an opportunity, it uh, it certainly could either come back to bite you or lead to opportunities at home. So you got to be ready for that no matter what's going on because we're figuring, hey, snowstorm, game barely happens, and all of a sudden there's an NHL guy in the building. Yeah, and it could very well be one of us uh, watching your game. Uh, if you're listening, it's one of those things. You have a junior game after your own game, and I watched the last five minutes of your game. It, uh, it can be as simple as that. So always be on top and uh, hope for the best. You'd mentioned that your MM game had a bunch of weird situations and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, I had the opportunity to call a penalty shot, as I mentioned. Uh, it was quite interesting because we talk about having to make a call without having it being reviewed. And it was a sequence where, like I said, it was already five on three. The home team was down two players. The puck gets shot on net. It bounces up into the air. The D-man gets pushed from behind, but it's a battle for position. So he falls to his knees. The puck is sitting in the crease, and somehow I'm able to see it. He puts his hand on the puck and then pulls it out of the crease underneath him. So I had a perfect vision for it. Uh, my partner, the blue line, could even see it from where he was. So I called the penalty shot. They ended up not being able to score, and the coach called me over. Fair enough. He was calm, went to go see him, and he says to me that he believes that the player got pushed 
on the puck. And I said, you are not wrong in saying that he got pushed, but those are two separate actions. He goes, and that matters? I said, yes, most definitely your player had the choice to cover it or not. He chose to cover it. That's the penalty shot. He goes, so there's no penalty for pushing him? I go, nope. Penalty shot's already been assessed. I want to make sure you understand this. He's like, no, I'm not trying to like get a, a penalty shot to even it up or anything like that. I want to understand. I said, yeah, I don't think you were able to see it, but there was two distinct motions. He goes, okay, that's interesting. I always thought that as long as the player wasn't in the crease, he was good. No, no, it's where the puck is. So I was able to knock that one out of the park. Fairly simple. But I do have to admit, after my reputation supposedly being one of knowing rules, I did make a mistake previously and not call a penalty shot when I should have. Uh-oh. Yeah. And this game was also an intense game. And I cannot say that I didn't have the opportunity to call the penalty shot. I definitely saw the situation. Uh, so a little bit of a lead up. We've got a shorthanded team in their defending zone. There is a player of the team on the power play with the puck at the blue line. Uh, so in his attacking zone. And for whatever reason, one of the defending players shot a loose stick at the puck and the puck carrier, given that he had it on his stick. But he shot it from like the bottom of the circle and was trying to shove it to the side, but ended up shooting it poorly. And it actually made its way to the D-man. And I watched this and I'm like, oh my God, you can't do that. And I threw my arm in the air. The player didn't lose control of the puck, but he definitely had the stick shot at him. I'm like, oh my god. But of course, I've got it on delay. So play moves around. Finally, the play ends up where everyone is around me in the corner. There's a body check right as the whistle goes. And there's four players coming together. The lines people come in. There's a new loose stick that's right to my right. And the player between me and the stick stomps on the stick to try and break it. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe that just happened. <laughs> you're going to the showers. You've got 10 minutes because there's less than 10 minutes in the game. Like, you're done. Go to the room. Linesman, take them off. I've got the penalty on delay. I forgot what the penalty was, but made my way and went to go call interference. And my lines person, great job. Comes up to me, he goes, isn't that a penalty shot? And I go, oh, I don't know. I think I'm only saying I don't know because I've already signaled interference and I don't want to go and explain that I made the wrong signal and call a penalty shot right now. But I'm not 100% sure. Are you 100% sure? He's like, well... It's you, so if you don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure it is. And I'm like, ah, Okay, well, it's a one-goal game. I got a penalty anyway. If I'm wrong, I'll apologize on Ref Talk Radio. And sure enough, I looked it up, and I was wrong. Anywhere in the defending zone, you shoot a stick at a puck or the puck carrier, it's a penalty shot. And I probably would have needed a police escort had I called it then, but I made the wrong call. So, long story short... I'm human after all. Well, first of all, do you have a rule reference for that one? Because I have recently been reading the rule book 
And because of the restructuring, sometimes it's harder to find stuff. And it's not under penalty shots, I don't believe. It's under two sections. If you look under the penalty shot section, you're not going to find anything that talks about shooting the stick. It'll only talk about throwing the stick. But if you look at 10.5, you'll see that 10.5 is actually about throwing or shooting stick or object. And that it says if a player shoots a stick in the defending zone, you'll call a penalty shot. So that's something to note to let Hockey Canada know for next year, because I noticed the same thing and I was flipping back between 10.5 and 4.11 yeah. Um, because there are a couple things mentioned where they're not mentioned in the cross-reference section, so it's not actually cross-referenced, and that was one of those rules. So we got to make sure that in the next rulebook edition that uh, throwing the stick or other objects is specifically referenced in 4.11, penalty shots. And that was, that was my mistake where I actually happened to read 4.11, penalty shot, which talks about throwing the stick, not 10.5, which explicitly says throwing or shooting. And that's where I was kind of going, I think it's just throwing, but shooting the stick makes just as much sense. So why would that not be part of the rule? But I read shooting, uh, throwing, sorry. So I'm like, I don't know for sure. And that's when I looked it up afterwards and said, yeah, it's not, it's my fault for not knowing it, but definitely an improvement and on my list for next year. So speaking of penalty shots, In my MJ game that I recently had, uh, the day before the game, I get an odd email that tells me that it's going to be starting at 10 minutes and 5 seconds of the second period. And, I mean, before I read the rest of the email, I was like, what the heck's going on? So it ends up I was assigned to a partially completed game that had ended because a player had been obstructed on a breakaway. And that player had flown into the goaltender and caused an injury to the goaltender. And so there was a penalty shot assessed against the defender. The attacking player ended up hitting the goalie. And then once he got up, went and, I don't know, punched a defending player in the face for some reason, apparently. So he got a minor. Uh, And the goalie was severely injured uh, to the point that First responders had to be called, and the team was shaken up enough that they decided not to continue the game. And so months later, uh, I get this assignment, and and so I'm reading this email, and it says, this team will have a penalty shot to start the game today, then the player will go to the penalty box to serve his minor, and we will carry on from there with the score being 4-2, whatever it was. And I was just like, this is the craziest thing I've ever heard. And so, get to the rink, we're talking about it, and I finally find out, you know, the whole spiel of what had happened. So we go out there, and um, we're like, do we even have O Canada? And it's like, well, the game's already started, like, we got, like we're not going to have players in the blue line because we're starting with a penalty shot. But then all of a sudden, O Canada started with one player standing at center ice and officials at the net. So we just stood there, let it happen. Yeah, Come it was hilarious. On. So anyway, the player goes and takes the penalty shot and scores. So now before our game has even started, it's now 5-2. And I'm thinking in my head, like, oh man, here we go, right? And so, I mean, that's that's pretty defeating for the 
that the other team already you've just been scored on the game hasn't even technically started today but anyway the player who just scored is now curling back towards his bench and i said now get in the fucking box <laughs> and he kind of giggled because like when is that ever gonna happen again um and it just got crazier after that because then like 30 seconds later uh the other team scored a goal so that ended his minor he came out and then they scored again and and it just it ended up being a 5-4 game or a 6-5 game it was a one goal game it got close and it was not what i was expecting but uh, i only had to do a period and a half of work so um i don't know if i'll ever have an experience quite like that again so this is the srd of all srd situations um so we're gonna have to write that one up and pass it on to hockey canada for next year yeah i was in winkler on saturday and we had talked about that situation uh and someone shared with me that that was the funniest thing they've ever seen is a player score on the penalty shot and then go to the box to serve the penalty which you know we talked about this afterwards yes that is in the rule book but if I think and try to imagine the context as to why that exists, I don't think that it should be allowed anymore. Because if everyone remembers, previously, the player that was fouled on a breakaway had to be the one to take the penalty shot unless they took a major game misconduct, match penalty, gross misconduct, something like that, that allowed them, that kicked them out of the game. But now that we allow any player to take that penalty shot, I feel like we should get rid of that clause and not let a player who goes and starts a scrum after getting taken out on a breakaway to still take a penalty shot and then go serve the penalty. Like, I want to penalize that guy, put him in the box, you lose your chance, you're not scoring a goal, I don't care that this is the old rule. Like, that, I think that has to change. I agree. I think it makes sense. I mean, I can see why some people would say, well, but that's the player who the opportunity was taken away from. But if Hockey Canada has already said any player can shoot, then you're already artificially manipulating that situation anyway. So I think that it just makes logical sense to say, just like overtime, right? If you're penalized in overtime, you can't take part in a shootout. Then if you're penalized on a play, you can't take a penalty shot. Like, that's just logical to me. So we'll see. Uh, stay tuned to find out if RTR's rule change suggestion is uh, is used or not. Which we should also remember that we want to standardize which, uh, which players can shoot in the shootout across all the leagues we work. Oh my goodness. That's also not consistent. But anyway. Yeah, if, oh, they can only not shoot if it's a misconduct. misconduct. Oh, no, any player, like, yeah, just, it's got to be more standardized, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just remembered the uh, the wording that we were talking about earlier on with lines people reporting penalties. And I want to just say that this, is, this has been used by a fellow official in many instances uh, on the gray side of the rulebook, where 5.3e Lines persons will, when requested by the referee, give their version of any incident that may have taken place during the game. So they have assessed penalties based off of that wording, which I definitely think is a stretch, but now I love it. Do with that as you will. And, uh, and with that little tidbit, we're going to wish everybody uh, an excellent playoff as we head into that part of the season. And uh, I know I'm amped for the finals coming up here. Talk about conquering the league you're in. So, I mean, that's the epitome uh, for that league. So hopefully the games go well. Uh, hopefully you get your game. Not that I can do anything about it, but... Uh, Not ethically anyway. 
We'll see what happens. And that's going to do it for another episode of Ref Talk Radio. So until next time, look good, feel good, ref good. Bye, everybody. Playoffs?